Welcome aboard, everyone. I'm Jack Tracy, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host. I am Sean Ferrick. Lovely to see you, kind of all. Kind of, kind of see you. So we are uh, launching a new Star Trek podcast called Star Trek Jujurations, where we are going to... uh, we're going to take an episode-by-episode approach across all of the series, maybe even do a couple movies, of Star Trek episodes that we think just could use a little zhuzh to make them, you know, a little better. Now, we are we are both lifelong Star Trek fans, and we, we don't mean anything by this in terms of criticism, because we love all the episodes, especially the rough ones. But um, we're both homosexual writers with opinions and hindsight so we'd like to tackle these uh these episodes uh exactly this there will be potentially critiques of your favorite episodes of star trek but please know that it is done with love and also occasionally with wine that's that's something (laughs) to bear in mind as well so some of these notes probably made more sense when we were writing them down originally but that's part of the fun of it right so I also want to, if by any chance any writer or creative associated with Star Trek ever hears this, I do want to say right off the bat, we, of course, by no means are uh, judging your work. We understand studio pressure, time pressure, censors, um, um, trying to come up with 26 hour-long episodes in a single year, the long work schedules, the the, the budget required, like... We are totally viewing this as fantasy fanboys in complete hindsight who have no restrictions. So we understand that, and uh, uh, we just want to get that out there. Absolutely, yeah. And also, potentially, some of the stuff that we might recommend, like, if anyone is looking at a budget, might be like, uh, lads, seriously? So let's just, let's just put that to the side. Let's just right. put that to the side. In, in, in our world, we have this bottomless pit of money when it comes to remaking episodes. So just, just bear that in mind. So the general format of the show is we're going to announce our episode and and recap it for you. Uh, We are going to uh, go through sort of pros, cons, behind the scenes, things we personally remember about the episode. If we remember it upon first airing or when we first approached it, what we thought of it then, what we think of it now, have a nice little talk about that. And then we'll come back and both myself and Sean, having not coordinated beforehand, have pitches on how we would reimagine this episode. Uh, and after that, we will announce what the next episode is, and we'll, we'll try to join you every week with a brand new episode. We hope that you will interact with us on Instagram, follow us, talk to us, give us suggestions. What do you think? What would you have done differently? What ideas did you hate? What ideas did you love? What episodes do you want us to do? So uh, we hope to hear from you. Um, but before that, because it's the pilot, why don't we just tell a little bit about ourselves and um, our our expertise on our endeavors in such a project. So, Sean, why don't you let the people know who you are? Uh, well, thank you very much, Jack. Uh, my name is Sean Ferrick. I might be known to some people as one of the hosts on Trek Culture. Uh, I am absolute devotee of the franchise, whether it's from Spock's brain up until In the Pale Moonlight. Like, there is no episode that I don't think has little nuggets of gold in it. Yes, I'm stating that again for the record. I just said Spock's brain has nuggets of gold in it. Moving on. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to be writing about Star Trek for about three years now. And in that time, I have I have seen so many plans for episodes that never quite made it into the final product, which is one of the reasons I'm really excited to do this as well, because there's so many episodes I know that we're going to cover. It's just, I know that even the production team were just like, oh, Oh, if we'd only had, or if we had just could have done. So 
that's part of the fun of this as well. Another part of the fun of this is that I just love talking Trek. So, Jack, when you reached out to me on Instagram, I was like, yes, please, right now, let's go. Um, so I'm really, I'm really excited to get going. Obviously, you'll find out more about me as the podcast goes on. Please don't take that as a threat. And yeah, Jack, tell us, tell us about yourself. Who the heck are you and why on earth should we watch you? So I'm coming to you from my ready room in New York City. I am a local LGBTQ creative. I run a production company where I do independent uh, films, web series, music, live events, which I have one this evening, uh, doing all sorts of fun stuff. And I'm also just a lifelong Star Trek fan. For me, the next generation was on at that sweet period of time where you're buying action figures, where all your Christmases are like toys. So uh, Star Trek for me was my... I don't know, maybe for some other people my age, it was like G.I. Joe or Power Rangers or Pokemon or whatever. For me, it was Star Trek The Next Generation. All my toys, all uh, everything. I I was actually thinking about this, things I hadn't thought about in a long time. I used to have my mother buy graph paper books from, um, from the grocery store, and then I would use them to, like, draw my own deck plans and then I would also draw like little fake L cars displays and tape them around the house. So I had panels like around the house to like do things like living in my full ima- imagination in my home. So for me, Star Trek is very tied to like play and childhood. And I've of course watched it all the way up till today. I find new meanings in episodes, things that didn't hit. I consider Picard my TV dad. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's a very special place in my heart. And I have yet to do anything creatively with Star Trek. One, because I don't work for CBS Viacom or Paramount. And two, um, well, I guess the only thing I've ever done is when I first started to try writing as a practice, I wrote sort of a spec script of how I would reimagine Encounter at Farpoint. And that was my like, do I know how to write? Can I write? Can I write characters? So that was my like first crack at this. And then I went on to do a lot of other things. So this is a nice circle back for me. Love it. I love it. Um, actually, yeah, I I want to like green light your pilot for Star Trek The Next Generation. I just want to say that right now. It hey. is gas. Uh, plus, I mean, in this age where absolutely everything is being, I'm going to be shot for this. In this age where everything's being remade, it's only a matter of time until The Next Generation is remade. Why not go with that script? It's only a matter of time before the youngest Olsen daughter is uh, Beverly Crusher. It's only a matter of time. Oh, you're not <laughs> wrong. You're uh, not wrong. I was going to, or uh, who's hot now? Like what? Zendaya as Troy. Like it's happened. It's like, this is. Oh yeah. I could see that. I actually really like Zendaya. I don't have enough. I'm, I don't have enough young references. My young references are like, and they're going to cast Selena Gomez. But I think Selena Gomez is like old now, like Hollywood old. Now. Do you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife has about half the current child cast of Hollywood in it. That and Stranger Things. So it's probably that, that, that group Brown of kids. <laughs> Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is all of them. I mean, she could do it. We've seen it with a shaved head. She could play a mean Picard. Right. All right. Well, you know what? People don't care about us yet. What they care about are these (gasps) episodes. And I think it's time to dive in. Uh, I have chosen our first episode. And I've chosen this episode because it deals with my favorite character. 
uh, as a lead, as the lead role. My favorite character is Dr. Beverly Crusher. The reason she is my favorite character is in the dynamics of that ship, she's the only one that will call the captain by his first name because she knows him as a person and not as an authority figure. Everyone else on that ship sort of reveres him and she's like, ugh, Jean-Luc, I've, I've known this guy since the Academy, like whatever. So I just love that dynamic. I loved the little bit of sexual tension they gave them. They did not explore that enough pin in that for my uh pitch um and uh it's an episode that's just notorious because she gets fucked by a ghost candle yes she does ladies and gentlemen we're doing sub rosa amazing just joe popped into my head there amazing like three days before the recording of this uh-huh. gates mcfadden was sharing posts on twitter celebrating sub rosa day oh that's so great yeah because it was uh january 31st was the because uh, doing my research was the the original air date ninety four seventh season. Um, but before we get into sort of our memories of the episode, let's just give people a quick if they haven't watched it in a while. So I suggest you go and watch it. It's a little bit of a hard watch. Um, it's lovely because Gates McFadden has never looked more beautiful. She is like they spent the entirety of that budget on her hair and makeup. She looks incredible. Um, also, because she had some weird hair journeys. Yes, she did. And they really land, because for me, the shot of her sitting on Picard's desk in All Good Things where she kisses him is the like, and we found her hair. Like, this is her hair. It only took seven (laughs) years, but we got there. We got there in the end. But sorry, I totally agree, by the way. Yeah. So I love, um, so let's just, let's just review the episode. Let's just dive in. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's a bit of a hard watch. Um, Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yes. Which was uh, an interesting thing that I didn't remember. Um, and then, of course, starring uh, the man who would later play Shakar. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Duncan right. Rhaegar. Duncan Rhaegar. I'm not, I'm not good with the secondary characters' real names. Uh, that's, that's an area where We got I'm each other, Jack. We got each other. It's okay. All right. So quick, quick recap for those of you who haven't seen it. This is really some backstory on Beverly Crusher. We also get kind of a Harlequin romance. A gothic romance. Um, we start off with the funeral of her grandmother that we first heard about in Arsenal of Freedom back in season one. Um, her grandmother is who raised her. Uh, she is, Beverly is giving the eulogy. She looks incredible. She's wearing that um, uh, great dress uniform from Star Trek The Next Generation we didn't really see her very much in. Um, so she's delivering the eulogy. Uh, we get, that's pretty much it for the the beginning, and then we see uh, Ronin, this this tall man, drop a very plastic flower on the uh, coffin as uh, people sort of like walk around and pay their respects, and he kind of makes googly eyes at Beverly. We get the swell of the music. We know this is a uh, uh, Beverly's going to get some. Um, it's nice that she's going to get some because the last time she got some, she was exactly 12 months pregnant uh, filming The Host, where they filmed the entire thing from her chin up and um, uh, put her behind right. every box and, and uh, plant in <laughs> on the Enterprise. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it, it, honestly, the episode is very light. She kind of talks with Troy a bit about her grandmother and wants to go back to the house to go, you know, pack up things. Picard gets this weird... Um, discussion about how the planet is Scotland in it in the first uh, sort of terraforming project of the Federation or an early project and they've just rebuilt it as Scotland and the conversation kind of goes nowhere and it just sort of ends out of nowhere we also know that um, they're having weather modification net system failures and they want uh, the Enterprise to kind of like look into it but it's more of like a hey while you're here like it's not why they're there um, 
So Beverly is with Troy for a little bit. They reminisce. Uh, we see some nice B-roll. We see some, not B-roll, but like the, the picture of her and grandma. I always like when they, they like put them in like production stuff, like, you know, uh, production footage in the background, like the, a picture with the actress, et cetera, et cetera, making it look like it's from like years ago. I like that stuff. Um, she's visited by Ned Quint, who is um, groundskeeper Willie. He's and... like the best character in Star Trek. I'm sorry. I love Ned Quint. So uh, side note, I can't watch this without hearing Rents, Would You Light My Candle? <laughs> and I, I, I want that mashup. I want a gif of her being overtaken by the ghost and won't you light my candle? Like, that's what I want. Um... I want that on TikTok. So uh, he goes, and you cannot light the candle because uh, it's been a curse to your grandmother. She's like, the fuck are you? Get the fuck out. We learn that, you know, Data and Jordy are analyzing the weather system. It's really boring and no one cares. Um, now we, and we, we just, Crusher is like, talks to Troy about this man that she saw. She learns that he was her grandmother's lover, even though he's like in his, what, 40s? And grandma was like 100. So they have like a sexy chat in, oh, I forgot. Before that, Beverly has, um, Beverly has a sex dream about him when she lights the candle. Yeah. And you see, you see that it's ghostly, that, like, her, her nightgown is kind of pulled down. You get the sense of, like, something's going on. And she has a strange conversation with Troy about um, basically having a wet dream, uh, which is fun to watch and actually is one of my highlights of the, the thing. Uh, seeing their conversation, the last time they had anything like that, I think, was, like, the Second Chances episode where they're at the gym and talking about Troy getting excited for Tom. Yes, that's right. Yeah, because I'm thinking even back before that it was nearly the price back in season four where they're well, doing maybe... the random uh, yoga in the hallway. Oh, that's that's that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing those. Yoga in the hallway is the price. But yeah, I think I think they also have some sort of talk about Tom Riker at some point. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm mushing those two episodes together. But yeah, we don't see that very much. We don't see Troy and Crusher being friends very much. So I kind of enjoyed that. Um yeah, and basically the whole thing unravels where Beverly gets obsessed with this guy. He's obviously using some sort of, like, orgasmic power over her. We, as the audience, fully see that he's some, like, energy cloud. And she even sees, she knows that. She knows that he's some energy cloud that's been with her family for years. And he was her grandmother's lover and the mother before that and the mother before that and the mother before that. And he's always been with them since Scotland. Um, it's very salt vampire, almost. Uh, in terms of its sort of seductive, you know, ghost That's a good thing. comparison, actually, yeah. She ends up leaving Starfleet because she wants to stay on the planet, become a healer like Nana. Picard's like, da fuck. Um, she's down in the house masturbating. Uh, Picard walks in. That's a crate. Uh, and we basically find out that he's an energy creature. He's the one fucking with the energy, you know, the, the weather system. Uh, he killed... Quint, when Quint was trying to shut it all down, uh, he zaps Picard when Picard kind of starts figuring out or becoming suspicious. He inhabits the grandma ghost who zaps Jordy and Troy when they find that energy readings are in the corpse. They exhume the body, which is gross. And that grandmother is in, is like every grandmother in every like 90s and early aughts movie. Yeah, um, pretty much. Really like her. Uh, and then because I think it, the spell kind of breaks because... The, the ghost zaps Picard, and that's when Beverly kind of, like, comes out of her orgasmic trance because she wants to help him. She runs to the 
the the the graveyard, sees that Jordy and Data, Jordy and Data get zapped as well, and that's sort of like last the last, you know, moment for her. In the final seconds, she uses her tricorder to figure out, oh no, you're an you're the energy creature and you've been terrorizing my family. And in a really great acted moment, um, you know, sort of abandons her her quickly formed attachment and love for him and obliterates him to um to stop him from what killing her friends doing what exactly like i i wasn't quite sure what he was trying to do with the energy modification net he was just living off of it i think uh, he was just living off it yeah um i think his main goal is live right. so it's <laughs> just let him live um so the key the key to this episode it's one of your classic you know you get one every season classic um uh ghost sex candle masturbation weather episode you know you see you get one of these every season you get one every season <laughs> you get one every season they some character is masturbating with a candle and the weather's all fucked up uh it's just one of those classic episodes so Sean what did you like about this uh very notorious episode i one of the things i like about it is one of the things i want to fix about it uh, but I really like just how insane this episode actually is. Like it for the for the time, uh, it it didn't really hold back. I mean, you're right. Like it's Beverly and a candle, and someone had to sit there and make a script Won't out of this. I love it. I just now I can't I I can't not hear in my head. Okay, sit, sit, okay. I'm, I'm not a singer, so sing Mimi's line. Oh, what'd you do with my candle? Turn it light, that candle. <laughs> that is a tick. Okay, fans, I need that TikTok. I need someone younger than thirty-nine, which is how old I am, to make that TikTok. Please, thank you. Yes, but you look like you're about nineteen. Anyway, right. Um, but that would be. And, so and I play. And I play eighteen on Grinder. <laughs> well played. Well played, sir. Well played. All right. What else do we like about this episode? It's. Uh, my this kind of sense my favorite color is green, so I'm all I'm automatically coded to like this episode because there's so much green going on. It's lovely, mm -hmm. um, and I like you don't get an awful lot of Gates McFadden being given. Hey, you go here's a whole script. Go nuts, and she does go nuts. Um, there are you know, quote unquote better Beverly episodes for sure. Sure, yeah, but um, it is it's it's fun. Now I have. Of everything I just said, nearly all of them is stuff I need to fix about the episode. Uh, of course. Because you just take the stuff you like and you judge it. We just kind of exactly. judge it a bit. Exactly. Right. Um, what about you, Jack? What is what what is it that you like about this episode? So what I like about the episode, one, that it's Beverly-centric. We need more Beverly episodes. They, they started doing her better in season six and seven. Um, the episodes weren't always that great. For me, the best latter half Beverly episodes are attached because they explore the relationship with Picard. And I also really like um, Descent Part 2, where she's in charge of the Enterprise. I was like, oh, she needs to be doing this more often. This is great. Um, so I have a sweet spot for Suspicions. It's not a great episode, but it's be it's a better Beverly episode than this one. I um, agree. Yeah, sorry. I agree with you there. Yeah, but so it's a Beverly episode. I love a Beverly episode. I want to see more of her. I want to see more of her giving it to the captain. That energy of from the high ground where she's going to be like beamed up in the beginning and Riker's like, I don't want to be in the transporter room to pick her up. I want more of that energy. I want more of that character of the like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and y'all boys can do whatever. Like that's that's the Beverly I want. 
Okay, so it's a Beverly episode. I like seeing Beverly and Troy together. Um, we don't see that a lot of them actually being friends. I like the exploration of sexuality and from a female's point of view. Um, yes. I kind of like the sci-fi idea of being like, we see the, we see the ghost spirit alien exerting influence over a crew member a lot in Star Trek. We don't see it a lot where it's by like blowing their sex brains. Mm. We get a little bit with like, you know, like naked now, naked time, like kind of stuff. But that was like a virus or something. But like the fact that he's like using seduction, like basically like getting her too horny to function. Like I kind of like that as a concept. And I think it could be done in an interesting way. Uh, not here, but in another way. Um, I, I was loving Jonathan Frakes directs. I, I think that's probably it. We don't really have. I don't really care about these sets. I don't care that it's in Scotland. That's weird. Um, yeah, and and I like you know I like when Star Trek tries romance. I don't know if they always do it effectively. So that's what I like about the episode. So what I don't like about the episode is, well, the plot is thin. Again, it's about ghost sex and the weather. Mm. Um, Ghost sex and the weather. I mean, you're right. It literally is that. It just sounds hilarious when you put it like that. Right. I think it needs higher stakes. The B story is just garbage. The B story is just garbage. The B story needs to go or be like significantly changed, which- Pure filler. Yeah. Pure filler. And connecting them made no sense. As you know, you and I are trying to figure out why does he care about the weather yeah. modification net if he's been living off of um, of of Howard vaginas for the last three centuries. You know, um, I don't like. It also makes while exploring Beverly's history, it basically kind of like makes her whole family like gross. It does a bit. It does and, a like, bit. That is one no. of my big problems with the episode. Like they like all of these women have been seduced throughout time. Like no Howard woman could figure it out until Beverly, or like rejected it. Like I, I, I didn't like that, and I hate any. And you, we will get on this in every recap we do. My favorite episodes of Next Generation of any Star Trek is when everyone in the main cast has something to do that contributes to the overall plot. And I mean it's. Beverly, Troy, a little bit of Picard, kind of Jordy Data. No Worf, no Riker. I assume because Riker's directing. I don't know. Worf had a vacation. Uh, but there's just just underutilization of the main cast. Um, what did what What are your biggest gripes about the episode? Um, well, actually, you name one is the all of the history of the Howard women are kind of sex slaves to this guy now they have more agency than that but as you say it, it is sort of suggested that only beverly was the one who was able to throw it off and that's because she has the relationship with picard so it's still oh this man couldn't save me or this man can save me it's like okie dokie that's a troublesome way of looking at the howard family um b plot boring cut it all just um and i just think I, 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 I mind less about Riker in this episode because as you say, yeah, Jonathan Frakes is behind the camera. So I, I get it, you yeah. know, I, but uh, I, you just get this feeling that Michael Doran read the script and said, oh, no, cut my, I'm out. I'm going away that week. This is not my problem. Um, but uh, more Quint. He's more. dreadfully hilarious. But their emphasis on the dreadful, but the Lee hilarious is, is valid as well. Like he's just ridiculous because my main, problem and the main thing i want to 
fix in this episode is that it doesn't go nearly hard enough into what it's trying to do. It just kind of dances on this idea of doing a gothic romance. Yeah. And some people, they are they're in a different episode. They're in a different show. Quint is in a different episode. He is on the moors in the 18th century. Nobody right. told him it was a Star Trek episode. Right. And he commits 100%. And he's the only one that does. Some others commit a lot, but you could make a series out of him. And that's what I want to come to and what I will fix is that it doesn't go anywhere near far enough for how much of a, like this is, it could be a period piece, you know, and it's definitely a slice of genre inside right. sci-fi, except that it isn't. Right. So I'm curious about, so let's let's head to our break and come back to just this thing, because I think you're going to take this, you're going to like turn up the gothic sex juice to like warp 10 and I actually am going to, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. So this is going to be, re- and ground the episode in stakes of other episodes. So I think, um, I think this is going to be an interesting compare contrast. So let's take a break and we'll be right back to uh, judge this thing. Excellent. Hi, gay. Do you like Star Trek? Do you like gay? Well, then you might want to join the Star Trek Zhuzh Orations fan community over at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh. Z-H-U-Z-H. Why would you want to do that? Well, one, you think that Sean and or I are pretty, and you would like to lift us out of abject poverty. Or because you really like this podcast and you want to help support it and keep it afloat by allowing us to afford the administrative expenses of doing it. Or you just want some exclusive content. So what's exclusive content on the Star Trek Jujurations Patreon? That is your ability to get the episode before anyone else. You can also see the video recording of us doing the episode where we wear our Starfleet uniforms, me, my single Next Generation Command uniform, and Sean rotating through his collection of probably about 359 different uniforms which is currently the number of uniforms on screen between Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek Picard, because apparently uniforms are custom to your design now. You can also have direct interaction with us with Ask Me Anythings that will hold, a weekly live event where we will be watching the episode that we are going to review, and even your ability to participate by helping us choose the next episodes on the podcast. So if you like gay, and you like Star Trek, and you like supporting independent creators and writers who are trying to do their thing, head on over to patreon.com slash Star Trek Z-H-U-Z-H, and find a membership tier that works for you. In fact, I'm going to throw in a sweetener. If you sign up for our biggest tier, the most exclusive tier, which is our commander tier, for three months, I will give you a fourth month for free if and only if you direct message me on Patreon and tell me what this is. Do, 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 See you on the Patreon. All right, it's time to judge this episode. So, judge for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, uh, I became no. We used it a lot, and like my mom used it a lot. And then, of course, Jasmine Masters on on Drag Race. Uh, that was sort of her catchphrase. But to judge is to make something more exciting, more lively, or attractive. You just kind of judge it up a bit. So, are you ready to judge up Sabrosa? I think I can single-handedly save this episode. Yes, absolutely. All right. 
Well, let's start with my pitch, because I think yours is more fantastical, and I, I want to save yours for last. So I had three rules coming into this. One, keep it a romance. Two, keep uh, the Beverly-Troy dynamic that I like. And three, Beverly gotta fuck that candle. Like, I mean, there's no, in all the multiverse, there is no reality where Beverly Crusher, Beverly Crusher fucks that candle every time. I would argue she should do it more. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Yours is just a porn. Yours is just her and that candle. Uh, we, we will not kink shame on this podcast, <laughs> Jack. Listen to our candle uh, kink community. Uh, we see you. We validate you. We, rep- we respect your journey. Uh, so the premise for me is to make this a sequel almost to Attached, which happened a few episodes prior with Beverly and Picard on Kesprit. They have their minds linked. She kind of discovers that he still has feelings for her. At the end, they have dinner, and he's kind of like, maybe let's explore these, this. And she's like, I don't think so, and leaves his quarters and kind of like, puts the nail in the coffin on that. We don't see anything about this again until All Good Things, where she, she's her feelings for him are sort of awoken by the discovery of his eromotic syndrome. Um, I think this is a good bridge between those two moments for her. And that's what I would like to use this episode to do. So we're going to open in the teaser. So we're not going to be at Caldos yet. They're on their way to Caldos to investigate something that's going on with their weather system. It's going to be bigger than what was going on in the the real episode, Sub Rosa. Um, there's, you know, major hurricanes. There's all sorts of problems. People are having to take shelter. They're thinking about planetary evacuation. They can't turn the weather system off. It's just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And the Enterprise is nearby, so they're going to come investigate. Beverly is on the phone, the phone, uh, subspace with her very much alive grandmother, um, talking about how excited is she to see her, sure, confident that the Enterprise will figure out whatever's going on, catches her up with her work and Wesley, and grandmother kind of pokes a bit about her love life. And Beverly is, you know, not a Luoxana kind of way, not in a setup or like, this is the most important thing in your life kind of way, but just casually asks about it and maybe she nudges her a little bit that like look she's getting older and she's realized that you have to make time for these sort of things as much as she loves her work she has to make time for love and she deserves that um wesley's gone and um she can't just throw herself into her work which i think becomes a theme about exploring beverly's post you know the death of jack that she um threw herself into just being a mother and her work and now that wesley's gone she's you know, doing these plays, and she's um, um, she's throwing herself forward. She gets involved in the 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 stuff and suspicions that she was in. We we paint a picture that Beverly is someone who's kind of trying to fill her life from this sort of empty nest kind of thing. And the one thing she's been avoiding really is having like a romantic aspect to her personal life. Um, so she gets a bit of a nudge from Grandma on that. Ha ha ha! It's not really belabored. And Grandmother catches her up on what she's been working on. She's actually been very busy because there's been a lot of um, – um, there's been what she believes to be a virus uh, that has cropped up. And, of course, we will find out roughly around the same time that the weather system started going on. And there have been a couple deaths, and it's worrying her. She thinks it's kind of spreading. It's kind of all over the globe. Um, and while she's like a, a healer in her community – 
she she feels it's kind of she's kind of outclassed for this and she asks if Beverly would take a look and so she sends some files to Beverly because she thinks it's kind of out of her wheelhouse and she needs the power of the chief medical officer of the flagship to sort of take a look at this and Beverly is absolutely thrilled to, to lend a helping hand. And we see parallel parallels between her and her grandmother there, you know, workaholic, ambitious, intelligent um, women uh, who are very much sort of um, very strong individuals with strong personalities and like love a mystery because we know that Beverly loves a mystery as well. So that's how we sort of relate the two of them. Act one, uh, so that's our setup. Act one, uh, Beverly is going to be having breakfast with Troy because she does not have breakfast with Picard anymore. Ever since attached, she has not had breakfast with him again, and Troy is inquisitive. She knows what went on and what the mind link thing was between them on Kesprit. She knows that Beverly had dinner with Picard, and that things have been a little icy since. And from her empathic powers to her just being an intuitive person, she's also on Beverly on this sort of like, you know, I don't see you dating. I don't see you having, you know, like a, a personal life. And she knows what's up with Picard a little bit. She has a feeling. She's trying to get it out of him. And this is where that discussion of like Beverly kind of confides in her that, you know, when Jack died, she was Wesley's mother. And that was the, what was most important. And then when Wesley left, you know, she took the night shifts where she's in command and she's doing all this other stuff. And she just says, I does not have time for dating and romance. It's just not part of, she, she considers that part of her life possibly over. And that sort of gives indications of why she drew the, the the line with Picard, that it wasn't anything about him, but this, that she just doesn't do that anymore. Um, Troy kind of encouraging her, you know, to to be a woman. Um, they head to the observation lounge because they're 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 running late. They run to the observation lounge. The team is discussing the the problem on Caldos. Uh, it's a very boring technical thing. We've got Data and Jordy going over what's going on with the system. That there's some. Um, Energy fluctuations they can't quite explain yet, the plan of what they're going to do. And we get introduced to a Lieutenant Noah Ronan, who is on the ship as a science officer. And he is helping Jordy and Data with the issue he transferred aboard recently. Um, Beverly also just makes a note about, you know, that she's looking into this illness situation. She doesn't think it's, you know, anything, but her grandmother had asked how excited she is to see her, yada, yada. And we get the sense that She's Ronan and her, there's some chemistry or attention. He is very focused on her, and she kind of senses it a little bit. Uh, we just let that lay. Um, act two, we get Beverly and Data, another pairing that I love that we don't get enough of. Um, investigating the illness issue, she's asked for his help to help her go over some records or coordinate, analyze some things, whatever. They're in her office. Um, she she is under the belief that this is not a virus, but is actually uh, some external force. It almost looks like a radiation poisoning of some sort, um, but she's not like nothing she's ever seen. It escalates quickly. It seems to do it with, you know, precision. Um, she has more tests to do when Ronin comes in with some burn from engineering or some minor, but something that needs help. Like he's not... It's not like a life or death thing, but he needs help. She goes in and heals him. There's a flirty conversation, and we get some good Brent Spiner-like observing human behavior of the flirtation between Beverly and Ronan, uh, which he can then kind of remark about after Ronan, you know, after she leaves Ronan to, the, to Nurse Ogawa or Salar or whoever. And um, Be Beverly is just sort of like, a, mind your business, Data, because I like that 
I like that dynamic between the two of them. Um, constant refrain. Everyone mind your business. I'm working and I don't have time for this. Why is everyone putting their nose in my life? Um, Picard enters, though, and asks to see her in her office and breaks the news that her grandmother has passed. Suddenly. Uh, and it was from the illness that she was investigating. And Beverly really takes that and we get a Picard trying to be there for her, but things still icy from their last interaction. So we get some good acting moments between the two of them. Uh, we then progress where Troy and Beverly are in 10 forward. And we get that, that kind of a similar conversation that they had in the real episode about her admiration for her grandmother being a healing and all that she had done with her life, that she has received logs um, because she, she's getting her grandmother's, you know, she's obviously going to take care of her grandmother's affairs when she, when they get to Caldos because they're still not there yet. And, but they've transmitted her, you know, logs and diaries and this and that. And she finds that she had like a lover. Uh, well into her 90s, that she had a very, you know, romantic life. And Troy uses that again to sort of prod Beverly that, look, this woman you admire who was a career woman and and all that, she made time for this sort of stuff. You know, that's something that can be important to you too. Uh, and we learn that, um, the, it, that the cause of death was the virus. And it gives Beverly this sort of extra oomph to investigate. So later that night, Ronan swings by Beverly's quarters to express his sympathy. So Ronan is going to be uh, an alien of some sort that we haven't met yet. New alien of the week kind of thing. And it's important because we're going to get some, at some point it needs to drop that Troy can't read him. He's a four-lobed thing just so that Troy is neutralized to being able to read what's going on with Ronan. Ronan swings by Beverly's quarters to express sympathies, sympathies and gives her as a custom to, you know, sort of death rituals of his his culture, um, a candle. It's this candle that you light to keep the light. It's a, it never goes out, and it, it it's representative that when someone passes, they're always with you, and, and it never their light never goes out as long as you keep the light, you know, on. And it's, it's using the candle aspect, and she thinks it very touching and very sweet. She takes it. Um, he also sort of starts getting... We, we, the audience sort of gets iffy vibes about him because he's telling her that, you know... You know, he had a death in the family and, you know, he took a lot of time off before he came to the Enterprise on his next assignment to sort of, you know, deal with that. And he thinks that's important for her, that she should probably take the time off to deal with this. And um, it, he'd be happy to take over the the illness investigation. He is the science officer after all. Um, but she should just really take the time and deal with her grandmother's stuff. And she's like, thank you very much for your concern. I really just think I need to throw myself into my work. And she died of this thing. It's important for me to figure out what it is. Okay, Act three, we get to Kaldos. Beverly gives that eulogy. Troy and Picard uh, are there, just like they are in the real episode. Oddly, Ronan is there too, which is odd, and Picard doesn't like it. Uh, we get, we're, we're trying to read Picard's, whether it's a jealousy thing or like a, you don't know her very well. Like, why are you, why are, you're new. Why are you here? Um, Troy picks up on some conflicting, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm skipping ahead. Before we get to Caldos, after Ronan leaves quarters, she lights the candle, goes to sleep, has crazy erotic sex dream. Cool. About him. Okay? So at the eulogy, at the, the thing, she's there, she's there, she does it, and she's feeling awkward because Ronan is there and she's just had this, like, she has these, she thinks she's having this, like, these sex, strong sexual feelings towards him, and she's a little, like, thrown off by it or whatever. Um, Ronan's there, uh, he gives, you know, interrupts with his condolences. Um, Picard is sort of like, aren't you needed at the 
weather station. Like, like Jordy and Data are there. Like, go, get the fuck out. And Beverly just kind of doesn't like that because she's interpreting it as it as him sort of interfering in her business, uh, sort of being jealous, kind of because they have a flirty energy. So we get Jordy, Data, and Riker at the weather control systems. We find out that. Um, it's as if some program is being carried out where the systems, the we learned that how weather work, how the weather modification works, and that certain particles are replicated and injected to sort of break up storm fronts and yada yada. And something is being synthesized and distributed in trace amounts. It's fucking with the, the weather is sort of a red herring. It's fucking up the weather, so that's what they're looking at. They notice sort of this sub-program that something is being sort of basically poisoned or some they don't know they don't know it's poisoned yet but something is being distributed across the environment and they don't know what it is they can't shut it down they have tried so they feel that they're under the clock to like under the gun to figure out what this is because they can't stop it and they'd like to involve dr crusher because they think it has physiological effects Picard Worf have a moment on the ship where Worf notes that um, there have been he's detecting recent warp activity and he believes it to be cardassian so Ooh, in okay. Act Four, we find and we find out that the, that Caldos is like near the Cardassian sort of border. It's not a Maquis territory, but it's it's near. It's close. Okay. Uh, Act Four, Beverly is waiting for the results of her analysis. She's reading her grandma's spicy journals. Ronan drops by again. It finally blossoms into a full love affair. They have you know an, an erotic, sensual time. Uh, we cut to 10 forward where Troy's trying to get a hold of her because she's late. They're supposed to have dinner, but she's not getting a response. And the surprise to the audience is Ronan shows up there in 10 forward to talk to Troy while he's apparently Bone and Beverly. And he's there with her. She finds him sketchy. She can't get really get a read on him. He's trying to basically tell her that he's concerned about Beverly and she really just needs to take the time off. And she's throwing herself into this investigation and it's not good for her. And Troy's just like... She's just, she doesn't like it. Like, who are you? Like, you're not one of us. You're not one of the cast members. What, what do you, what, what? She doesn't like it, but she can't get a read on him. And now we see, because we're like, how can Ronan be in two places? Beverly is alone. And is this whole sensual sexual experience is happening. And we see that the candle is, you know, we get a hint that the candle has something to do with it. So in the meantime, Jordy and Data figure out, they think that this is a metagenic weapon. From the Cardassians, which is a callback to Chain of Command, a metagenic, mm-hmm. and was necessary, Beverly Crusher was necessary for that mission to detect it because she has special expertise in it. That the Cardassians might be involved, that they're p- potentially trying to destroy the entire ecosystem of the planet, which they don't understand. This isn't a Maquis world. You know, we, we debunked that the metagenic stuff was a hoax. It was just to get Picard. This doesn't make sense. We need Beverly. However, Beverly has woken up from some bender with Ronan. She hasn't left her quarters. She takes time off to deal with her grandmother, which Picard can't really... She uses the ruse of her grandmother to take time off to honestly just kind of be with him. She's taking everybody's advice of just, like, throwing herself into this romance, but it's a very inopportune time. Picard's not happy about it. Um, He convinces her, well, why don't we go to the surface and stay in that wonderful grandmother's house of yours? She's like, let's do it. He's very adamant that she brings the candle, which is weird. We're also seeing that He's not there, and Beverly's doing this as if, to her, he is there with her. But we are now becoming aware of the audience that Beverly is alone with this candle. So she goes down to the surface. She locks herself away, just like in the regular thing. Picard finds out that she's gone to the surface, and she gets 
a uh, temporary, not a resignation, but a temporary leave of absence. That she's going to take time and stay on Kaldos for a bit because she's just fully in the 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 realms of this the 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 embrace of this romance and he's had enough so he goes down to the surface catches her you know ghost candle sexy time just like in the regular episode is basically is trying to convince her that like you know because she she's not really just this is just my life these are my decisions everyone is so you know this and that you have no right to tell me what i can and cannot do if i want to be here with ronan he's like ronan ronan's at the weather station what are you talking about and she's what, what are you talking about and she, like, refers to him, and he's like, Beverly, he is, like, this is, like, he's not there. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's flummoxed, and she's, what do you mean he's not there? And he's telling her, so it's just, he's telling her, of course I'm here, he's just jealous. And she she's confused, because she clearly sees him, he doesn't. Picard takes, she takes out her tricorder, Picard takes out her tri- tricorder. They see that the candle is basically, um, do, it's doing, it's causing her hallucinations. It's doing something to her, and it zaps Picard as he starts to figure it out, just like in the episode. He's telling her, you know, you know, he was, it, it then starts to get into this ridiculous, you know, he just, he was just jealous, I had to take care of him, and she's like, what, and she's now out of it. She's like, the spell is broken for her. She's like, what the hell is going on? And the ultimate reveal, basically, is the real Ronin is Maquis. And they want to frame the Cardassians for a metagenic attack on a nearby world so that the Federation gets involved in the Maquis-Cardassian dispute. That Beverly, through, by noting in the, um, noting in the uh, uh, observation lounge that she was investigating the illness, there was a concern that because she is so familiar with this stuff, that she would discover it and out that it wasn't the Cardassians, that she needed to be put off the table. They killed her grandmother so that she would take time off and not be around. And when that didn't work, this sort of manipulative sort of device to just keep her, they just needed to keep her off the table because they were afraid, they thought they could possibly get away with it, but for her. And she eventually, because the the whole spell is broken, she figures it out. Um, They arrest Ronan because I don't like killing him. Um, And the very end of the episode, I think, just starts with a surprise drop off of her at Picard's quarters to have breakfast with him again. And we just get the sense that maybe she is open to something. And we just leave it there. Okay, you took that in a very I different know. direction. I like that. The Maki oh. thing, that threw me. Not in a bad way, but that threw me. I like having, even if it's an episode of the week, which you know they so much did on Next Generation, I, especially in those six and seven seasons, they did a lot more to sort of plant the seeds and tie in larger arcs, especially mm. with setting up the Maki for Voyager. DS9 did it, Next Gen did it for a bit. We have another Maki episode coming up with um with Wesley and with not Wesley, with uh, Roe is the Maki episode. We have Chain of Command. So I like, you know, obviously back then, pardon me, back then it was all about the episode of the week and they were fighting to do things like that. So my hindsight is just tie it into these broader themes and broader that there's there's more going on with the universe rather than just having ghost or, you know, ran, rando alien. Have it tied into the the polit- socio-political economics and and the political dynamic of the Federation and wider affairs. Hmm. Okay. You know, I re- I I like that a lot. That's yeah. You, you went much more right uh, grounded in terms of Star Trek. Right. Um, and I I wanted also to to emphasize how intelligent how how much Be- how integral Beverly is and how you know. 
basically that she was imp- giving her that level of importance. You know, she was the head of Starfleet Medical, which they don't talk about a lot. You know, that was the excuse for her being away. Like, I really wanted to this being like, we can possibly dupe the rest of these people, but we are not going to get this past her. And we need to figure out ways to get her away from the situation. And that that heightens Beverly Crusher as like an extremely important officer in Starfleet in general. I think that would go a long way towards, uh, well, for what, like you said, bringing in the fact that she was the head of Starfleet Medical and will return at the end right. of Nemesis to being the head of Starfleet Medical to kind of remind the audience that because for all of how much I really enjoy Gates McFadden in Star Trek, she was often given the yes, Captain, lines of the scene. Right. Which doesn't seem to track with then suddenly, like you said, she is one of three who are, you know, qualified to go on the metagenic weapon right. hunt. I do love the fact that, Worf, your reason for being here is obvious. What, because he's strong? Come on, lads, do better. Anyway, yeah. um, I really so, I really like that. Very different. I, I have a completely different pitch, but... All right, Sean, judge this episode. Let's hear it. Okay, so um, my cold open will be... It opens on the flickering candle, right? We will we will peel back slightly to see it's Beverly in full dress, uh, just looking at the candle, and then you hear Troy's voice going, "Are you ready?" And the reveal is that the cold open is Nana's funeral. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it'll open the same as the way the episode does, but we're already on the planet, so that is that is key here. So. They walk out with the coffin, and it's crucial to me that you go that you see the imagery of they walk out with the coffin. Uh, although we don't know who he is yet, Ronan is going to be one of the pallbearers, and you know you'll have all, all the same faces. Quint will be there, uh, Picard will be there, Troy will be there, but that's gonna be it. I debated on whether having Wesley arrive or not, but I decided against having Wesley in the episode, even though it would make sense for him to be there. But anyway, um, we walked a short distance to the, because it's repose at home, walked a short distance. And again, it's deliberate imagery of we're not beaming the coffin there. There's no hover bed or anything like this. We walk there. At the end of it, we have our eulogy and we have Picard saying, you take as much time as you need because Beverly is about to go on leave of absence slash short leave, but she will not be on the Enterprise for this episode. Uh, We will have a kind of a quiet moment. It's just her over the grave before we go into the opening credits. Act one, she's been there for a few days. She's dealing with Nana's affairs. She's trying to get the house in order. I would nearly go so far as to have the candle visible almost constantly, but not in the foreground. Um, she will, there'll be bustling people coming and going. And the last person of this scene that she will see to is she will see Ronan. She will know that he was Nana's carer. And she will ask, is it okay if she comes to see him sometime to chat about Nana? And he is not brusque with her. But you can get the impression that he just kind of wants to get away. He doesn't really want to be in the house at this point. Uh, basically, red herring. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, so the rest of Act 1 is setting up the fact that Kaldos has 
not a it is a federation world it's not abandoned technology but it has chosen a slower pace of life we don't see phasers we don't see tricorders we don't see general you know 24th century technology it's not that they don't have access to it just they've chosen not to use it there will be no weather station in this in fact the weather station is ronan's cabin so that's where there's going to be another location in this act two is going to be getting to know some of the people in the village but particularly ned quint and we're going to go in hard on this one all federation imagery will be pretty much absent um if you recall just for this in the episode itself is one of the very 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 few references to christianity up until particularly recent Star Trek, because there is the ashes to ashes speech over mm -hmm. Nana's grave. So again, without dialing up the religion per se, there will be there will be more religious iconography on show, just really to set the scene. Uh, what I was saying about I need a bigger budget is that we will be in forests. We will be, these are exteriors. This is not stage 17. This is not planet hell. Right. Uh, because we need, we do need a sense of scale for this to work because we need a sense of isolation. Nana's house in the village, but on the edge, Ronan's cabin out by the lake. Um, the twist in this is that Ned and Ronan are quite close. Um, and Ned is very, very, he has lots of positive things to say about Ronan. The, where he slips is that he keeps suggesting that Ronan and Nana knew each other for a very long time. But Ronan will look not Wesley young, mm -hmm. but mid-30s young. Right. Um, so our next act, we're in Nana's house. It's nighttime. We have Beverly expressing some frustration that there is no technology in the house because we have the required storm going on outside. All we have to light with is candles, the fireplace, things like that. Now, we do have electricity. We're not in, you know, the 1800s, but it's not really enough. And she gets a knock on the door, and lo and behold, it's Ronan. The power's gone out at his cabin. Nana's house is his second home. Uh, he is thoroughly apologetic. There is initially no hint of a romance. It is, And they end up, they sit down, they share a bottle of wine together, and which leads to a kiss. There is a hesitation. They lean in for a second kiss. Act four, more time has gone by. You see, you see the way, like, mm -hmm. they've gone very quickly through this because mm -hmm. it's all about setting the scene. This is a pure, this is a romance story. Mm -hmm. Act four, shore leave is up. And, you know, it's time to come back to the Enterprise. So she receives the message from Picard that they'll be there in a couple of days. And, you know, she says to Ronan, you know, while deeply in the romance, oh, you know, I basically I love you. I want to be together. But I am leaving. There is no, this Beverly, there's no question in her mind. She is going back to work. Right. Ronan is incredibly unhappy about this. Uh, not to the point of kidnap, but he's very, very unhappy about this. And he feel or he puts across that he feels he's found a new soulmate in her. He feels he has no one else without her. And Quint tries to kidnap her. Hmm. Because, you know, it, it's a 
I haven't worked out the details of this, but yeah, but he tries to get up in that to almost convince the Enterprise, well, she's decided not to go back. There is a poorly put together message sent to the Enterprise. This is probably one of our few scenes on the Enterprise where they're just like, that's not Beverly. This right. is nonsense. Um, she wakes up in Ronan's cabin. Quint is there. He is as eccentric as anything, but he is there and Ronan is just like, this way we can be together. This way we can stay. This Beverly is a bit like, well, any chance we had of this happening, you realize you've destroyed that, right? Um, and is this great? Like, you can't force someone to be with you forever. And he said, why won't you choose me like your Nana did? Mm. And then we get the reveal that Ronan is an awful lot older than he looks. Um, you know, he explains that he is from a race that they match to a bloodline and it is the honor of them to mm. care for the bloodline all the way through. And because Beverly has been away, because she has not been a part of her family, at least not around them so much, that she is effectively breaking this promise a bit that her family has made. It culminates in the reveal that, of course, the, the candle focuses this power. And although it kills her to do it, she destroys the candle. Ronan, very, very sad, fades away. Mm. Uh, Quint, basically, he just kind of sits down, defeated, apologizes. It's, it's quite a quiet ending. He apologizes. In her own way, Beverly says, not cool. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Enterprise arrives in orbit. Straight away. Beverly, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm ready to be beamed up. And away she goes. The coda to the episode is Quint just camera right behind him. He's walking back down into the village. And as the camera pans out, at least one window in every house has the candle in it. Mm. Ooh. So this is very like, okay. For my start from my Star Trek brain is saying almost like, um, was it liaisons? I was getting liaisons vibes when you were describing it. John, I never thought, but you're absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. I see that. Uh, like, well, not because liaisons was misery. Uh, so not not that, but like again, I'm getting liaisons vibes. Uh, a little black mirror almost with that ending, with the you know everybody has the candle. Um, yeah, that's very, and I I like. I mean, it goes against my personal Star Trek taste, which is where every, all cast members are in the episode and equally utilized. This is very much the. This is just Beverly and some guest actors. That's actually, it was actually, as you were describing it, I was just like, oh, I don't know if he's going to like mine. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't like it. I definitely like a, the quieter sort of, I mean, there's really nothing about, it's, it's almost like, almost, um, like I think of episodes like Journey's End or Darmok or anything where it's like lead character on a planet has to figure some shit out. That's what I was saying. And I, I'm not. 100% in myself whether Ronan is linked to that candle or mm. a part of him lives in everyone. I'm I've, I'm sort of, I am open to suggestions there. It could be that everyone has their own version of Ronan. 
Interesting. Or perhaps this colony exists as a way of keeping Ronan alive. That is interesting. I like it. I like it. And I like giving Beverly the romance. It almost feels it's if it's if whereas I think my Beverly episode goes in sort of the suspicions, remember me camp. Yours goes in the high ground. I I wanted to make sure she had the agency, that she makes the decision. And it's right. less of a because I think Sub Rosa, as presented, is Basically, she is so hypnotized by how wonderful he is, how romantic he is, how incredible in bed he is, that I feel it robs Beverly in the episode of a lot of her agency. And Mm. also because it comes so out of the blue uh, and it's quite a fast, even though it's still 90s era Trek, it's still quite a fast paced episode for what they're trying to do. So she kind of goes loopy quickly. Whereas this right. one, I wanted it to be slow. And also I really needed that impression that time has passed. Because I think Sub Rosa in the episode exists over like 12 hours. Well, okay, not 12 hours, but it's short. It's very short. Yeah, she decides to leave Starfleet quite quickly. Um, which kind of, it's like, Beverly is one orgasm away from, from <laughs> resigning her commission. Yeah, I don't want that as my chief medical officer. It's like, you know, <laughs> oh, how do we get rid of her? I don't know, blow her. Grand! <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back right after that to uh, announce the next episode. Hi, gay. Do you like sex? Do you like gay? Then you might like my other podcast that I currently co-host with J.J. Bozeman called Dying Alone Together. What do we do on Dying Alone Together? Well, we talk about uh, dating and sex and relationships in New York City. You can hear fun stories like the time J.J. got into a windowless van to jerk off with a Hasidic Jewish person. You can also hear about my time in Fire Island where I woke up in a man's bed covered in my own diarrhea. Or how about J.J.'s handy medical tips, including his homeopathic remedy for anal fissures, which includes syringes and raw eggs. So if you like me on this podcast and you think I'm funny and you want to hear more about my horrific dating and sex life in New York City, join us over wherever you listen to, well, this at Dying Alone Together. Guests include RuPaul's Drag Race's own Britta Filter and Honey Davenport, legendary drag icon Sherry Vine, and we do actually have non-drag guests, which include HBO Max's The Minx's Oscar Montoya and your very own Sean Farrick, who joined us for a very special episode. So if you like gay and you like sex, you are going to love Dying Alone Together. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So this last segment is is going to be dedicated once we get rolling to uh, looking over uh, any fan mail, any any suggestions from subscribers of of what you thought about our pitches, what your pitch would be, things you liked about the episode that you'd want to keep, things that absolutely have to go. This is where that's going to go once we get rolling. Uh, but for now, we'll just skip ahead and um, announce next week's episode. Sean, I picked Sabrosa. What do you have for me? I have, so, little known fact about Jack is that he is criminally mm. uneducated in the original Math. series. Math. Oh, the original series. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that, that too, but don't worry, I join you on that hill, don't worry. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to go with an episode that was both light enough, but also there's a lot in it, and I have chosen Shoreleaf. Okay. I think any episode that features the giant white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland demands our attention. Right. And and we're going to 
So in the same way that, you know, we have hindsight here, we, I, I think maybe it's important that we keep into our zhuzhing of anything from TOS that, like, like it's not like, mm, the effect should have been better. Like, they, they, they got what they got. Like, we'll, we'll just yes. accept the 60s production budget in our suggestions. Uh, there should have been lens flares and 10 versions of Riker ship. Um, I agree. And also that anything that was written from a 60s perspective of understanding of humanity, we also can't touch that. Just just to give a nice challenge to you there. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, boy. So, yes, I am. I, I My familiarity with TOS is through the movies. That's how I discovered that crew. That's how I like that crew. Uh, I have attempted some episodes. It's just the pacing. It's their hard watches. It feels like homework. And since you're picking an episode that needs judged, I imagine this is going to be a lot of homework. So I look forward to diving into Shore Leave. You can dive into our Instagram. We have the link in the bio. Uh, we'd like to start a Patreon so that you can watch the recorded version of this. We are recording this uh, video, so you can join us there. We would love to do watch parties. We just really like to grow the uh, Star Trek Zhuzhurations family. Uh, from my ready room in New York City to Sean's in Ireland to you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, I'm Jack Tracy. I am Sean Ferrick. And uh, until next time. Thank you very much. Live long and prosper. Star Trek Jojurations is not endorsed by CBS, Viacom, Paramount Pictures, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Star Trek Jojurations theme song includes elements of the Star Trek The Next Generation main title and is done so under U.S. copyright for fair use for parody.